720 WGN. This is Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Thrilled to welcome our guest, CPA president and founder, Katz Milanic. David, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I couldn't wait for this because we had so much fun the first time trying to take people's calls and have them stump the CPA. And I know people have so many tax questions, even here at the end of July. Uh, and I imagine you, you get a ton of questions. I mean, it must be every day that people are wondering something about some sort of tax policy or tax question for you. Oh, yeah. Is this deductible? How do I, how do I deal with this thing? How do I get out? How do I not have to pay the IRS again this year. You know, all, all sorts of questions. Get them all the time. Do you thrive on trying to be able to save people money and not pay the government as much? Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's fantastic. I mean, it, I, I really get... It, it, it's really a good feeling to be able to, to come to someone and they think, you know, they think they're going to have a really bad tax situation. I, I come to them and I say, you're going to get a refund. And some, I've seen people's jaw drop, and they're just like, how? How did you do that? And and uh, that, that feeling is really great. I, I bet. I bet it is. And 312-981-7200, clearing the lines there now, opening them back up again for people to call in with any questions you have about taxes. So here's what we're going to do. If you're able to effectively stump David, uh, we're going to hook you up with, and it's very fitting for today, a desktop weather station from the American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60 Minutemen. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. And trust me, those things are necessary, especially when you got storms rolling through in the middle of the night. Uh, those are certainly helpful. So we've got some of those available. 312-981-7200 if you've got any questions and can stump the CPA with David Milanic. Katz Milanic. Okay, David, I wanted to ask you as we get rolling here, how often are you reading new tax code? Because, I mean, don't they rewrite this stuff fairly often or issue guidances on how you are supposed to help prepare people's taxes? Or do you just internalize all this and have it memorized? Well, so I, I mean, you, you do you do have to keep up with the the current situation. So um, the, there are uh, there are changes to the tax code pretty much every year. Uh, a lot of times, it's not even something that is necessarily like in the uh, it, it, like a tax law itself. Like everybody remembers the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, I'm sure. And back in 2017, when when Trump and everybody they they got together, they passed that law. Um, that was that was a tax law. That was the last major tax law. But that said, there there are still other laws that they'll come in and they'll affect a tax provision here and there and 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 change things. Uh, the CARES Act had a few tax uh, had a few tax breaks in it. It had the um, employee retention credit that uh, that several businesses are actually benefiting from now, where you can if you if you had fifty percent. Uh, of your revenue from it, it's a complicated formula. Basically, if you had if your revenue dropped by fifty percent, you can claim a credit of up to ten thousand of wages, and yet and yet uh, people are getting large sums of money back, like thirty to fifty thousand dollars. But you got to know it, right? You got or you got to have someone that does know it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, if you don't if you don't know, you're not going to be able to take advantage. You're not going to be able to file things appropriately, and you're not going to be able to to take get get those credits that you're that you're rightfully owed. Seven seven three with our first question. I think this is a doozy to start with here, David. Can you clearly and simply explain the differences between an LLC, a partnership, an S corp, or sole <laughs> proprietorship? Absolutely, I can. So uh, let's let's start with a sole proprietorship. Sole proprietorship is just basically 
I decide to start doing a business and I just start doing it. I don't, I don't take any, um, any precautions as far as going and getting an entity established, anything like that. I just, I just go and I start operating and I, and I, and I open a bank account for it. Maybe I don't even open a bank account for it. I do, I do what's really bad. And I just, I just, uh, um, commingle all my money with my personal and my business. And then I have, and then I have a really big problem at the end of the year. But, but that person is going to file on a Schedule C, and they're going to have all the potential legal liability of the of the business on their personal assets as well. So now let's talk about a partnership. A partnership is specifically a um, a and a. a, a the same thing, almost the same thing as a sole proprietorship, just two people get together and start doing a business or two or more people. Mm-hmm. And then either they can have a written agreement or they don't have a written agreement, but either way they, they get an EIN and they're a partnership. That, that's, that's, uh, that's what a partnership is. Mm-hmm. And as corporation is actually a tax status. It is not, it is not actually a legal entity. And as corporation is a tax status that you elect with the IRS you can either be incorporated or you can have an LLC and you and you elect with a form 2553 to be taxed as a small business corporation. And then an LLC is a legal entity that for the purposes of the IRS is considered a disregarded entity unless unless you elect a tax status for it. So if you if you are the only member of the LLC, you're taxed as a sole proprietorship, you do get the legal protections of having the LLC. If you have two people and you don't have any sort of tax election, it's a partnership. If you decide to be taxed as an S corporation, you follow 2553, you can be taxed as an S corporation with an LLC. You can also be taxed as a C corporation by filing a form 8832. Okay, well, that I didn't write all that down. <laughs> See what I mean, people? This guy knows everything. Uh, we got a follow-up from the 312. I'm a photographer. I started a couple of years ago. I, I operate as an LLC. Um, I keep track of all my expenses. Should I incorporate? Should I, should I file as an S-Corp instead? Okay, so again, like I just said, with an LLC, um, it's a little bit harder to establish as an LLC to get the S-Corporation election. Um, I don't know why they wrote it the way they wrote it. The the RevProc twenty thirteen thirty. It's uh, it it's the late um, election for S corporations. They make it a little bit harder to be able to do that with an LLC than they do with a corporation. But if you want to get it as a forward going thing, you can do that at any point in time. Um, and so yes, you can be taxed as an S corporation with an LLC, and uh, <laughs> and then. Um, and there and there are several things that you can do with that as well. You, you said you keep track of your expenses. One of the things that um, that I recommend to my clients is, for example, if this person had a dark room in their house, they could lease a portion of their house to their business. Uh, it's just a contract between themselves and themselves, basically. But mm-hmm. because they're leasing it to the business, they get a rent deduction, and then they can take and then they can take in, and file a Schedule E on their tax return. If they have a mortgage, if they have um, actually one of my favorites is um, a homeowners association fee. You can actually get a deduction for a homeowners association fee on a rental property where you can't get it personally for yourself. Interesting. So what you're basically saying is call someone like you <laughs> to, to walk them through because they may be leaving the money on the table. Oh, yeah. You're almost certainly leaving money on the table if you're not planning it out and planning it smart. 
What is the best number for people to reach you at, by the way? Yeah, we're we're uh, Katz Milanic. That's K A T Z M I L A N E C. Uh, visit us at katzmilanic dot com, and our number is seven zero eight nine one four eight two two zero. That's seven zero eight nine one four eight two two zero. All right, we're just getting started here. Three one two wants to know. I used to never own a car, but I started to need a car to drive to my places where I work. I work as a contract employee only with a bunch of 1099s. Can I uh, can I count my car payments as business expenses? So, so here's how you actually do that. Can you technically count your car payment as as an expense? No, not really. Unless, again, if you if you establish you have you you establish an entity you have a business and you and you lease the car to the business and and you yourself still personally own the car then yes you could actually deduct the car payment but if you're if you're not doing that the way you would actually capture that is that you wouldn't actually get the car payment itself what you would get is you get the depreciation on the vehicle over a period of i believe 5 years and then um you would also get the interest from the from the vehicle loan payment and between the two it comes out fairly similar you actually come out slightly a bit ahead on the uh on the taxes with the with with those two deductions versus the actual payment okay let's go to the phone lines larry on line one larry's got a question hey larry hey uh i'm retired i take a standard deduction but i do a lot of volunteer work and i find myself driving hundreds of miles, and I'm questioning, because I take the standard tax deduction, uh, do I get to take anything as a write-off? Ooh, interesting question. So so here's the thing, Larry. Um, You can take, there is an above-the-line deduction for charitable at this point that is $300. I would would highly recommend keeping a mileage log because for charitable miles that you drive, you get $0.14 per mile. So if you even if you end up taking the standard deduction, you can still get that three hundred dollar above the line deduction that's going that that you'll still be able to reduce your taxable income by that amount. Now if if, if you manage to rack up enough miles that you can take an itemized deduction, you can do that too. But um the, the key there is gonna be make sure you keep that mileage log and if you're making any sort of charitable contributions that are cash or non cash, make sure you're getting the receipts for that as well. If I exceed the 300 miles, uh, uh, let's say I are $300, yeah, Larry, $300, $300. yeah, uh, and I have uh, enough miles times 14 cents to be $1,200, is that how much I take on that line, or is it limited to 300 Well, it's, it's limited to 300 and and if you're married filing joint, it would actually be 600 but that that's an above-the-line deduction. So you get the standard deduction, you get that in addition to the standard deduction. But now, it's um, if you, yeah, exactly, it is it is capped. Um, but but if you if you end up if you end up at the point where you're not like twelve hundred dollars, but you're like if if you're if you're single, let's say you end up somehow with charitable deductions and taxes and mortgage interest and everything, you end up at like thirteen thousand dollars and you're single. Well, now you can take the itemized deduction because the standard deduction is only twelve five fifty. Okay, so Larry, I would just say once you get to three hundred miles or three hundred dollars worth, just stop your car and say that's it. That's all the volunteering I'm doing this year. No, I'm just kidding, Larry. Uh, thanks oh, for the call. No, okay. No, no, no. I know, I know. You're a good man, Larry. You wouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, you're doing that for a great cause, I'm sure. So yes. keep uh, up the good work. We'll get we'll get you what we can now. 
We got to go to the news, David. I want to give it out one more time. 708-914-8220, right? That's correct. 708-914-8220. We're Katz Milanic. Visit us at katzmilanic.com. You're not going anywhere. Peggy's on the line. We're going to get to her in a little bit. First, the news here on WGN. Looking forward to that. Let's get legal power by the Illinois State Bar Association here on WGN. Playing an edition of Stump the CPA with David Milanic, CPA president. Oh, he's a CPA president and founder at Katz Milanic. And uh, David, you ready for some uh, rapid fire questions here? Absolutely. Let's let's bring them on. And if someone stumps you, they're going to get a desktop weather station from American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. The 60-Minute Men visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. The best part is if they stump you, David, I know you will follow up and get an answer to them at some point. Let's go to line two. And Peggy, Peggy, you're on WGN. Hello. Hello. I have a question uh, regarding uh, home ownership and if I rented it out for okay. two or four years. Okay. What happens to my primary residence? Um, I'm going to call it that deduction that where you pass it from one house to the next. It, it's a primary residence exemption, and that depends on if you've actually sold a home under the primary residence exemption in the last two years. However, if you have, so then you wouldn't be eligible to have a primary residence exemption. But if you haven't, if you've lived in a home for two out of the last five years, and it doesn't have to be consecutive, it doesn't have to, you could literally go, I'm going to live here in January, I'm going to not live here in February, I'm going to live here in March, and as long as you had 24 months out of the last 60, you would qualify. Um, so if you're selling your home, and that, that's, the primary residence exemption is for a capital gain exclusion. So that actually uh, it reduces your capital gains on the sale of your primary residence by 250000 for an individual and by 500000 for a married filing joint couple. So if you have a house and you bought it for $100,000 and then, and then you, you, know, you get married, you, you have kids, you live your life there, and then you, and then you sell it for 500000 and you and your wife go to file taxes or you and your husband go to file taxes, um, you will not owe anything on the capital gains because you will have a um, $500,000 exemption. Uh, and you only have 400000 a gain, so there's nothing to be taxed there at that point. Peggy, does that make sense to you, with, with the answer? I know that was yeah. a, a... Okay, good. You got it? Yeah. Yep. All right. Thank you. Hey, hey, there we go. Got a text line question here for you, David. I'm 61 years old. I took money out of my IRA for house improvement. Will I get a penalty? Uh, no, you should not get a penalty because you are over age 59 and a half. So uh, if it is a traditional IRA, you will have to pay the taxes on the money. However, uh, there is a 10% penalty, uh, and there are actually several ways to avoid that. A lot of ways people don't know. 10% penalty if you're 59 and a half or younger, right? Yeah, if you're if you're fifty nine and a half or younger, but actually you can you can even be age fifty five, and if you it, a lot of people nowadays are getting like early retirement stuff. They're 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 being asked to leave early and 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 leave out of the um leave out of a company. And so uh, if you're age fifty five and you receive retirement benefits because of a situation like that, you can actually completely avoid the ten percent penalty as well. Okay. Uh, let's go to line one with James. James has a, an interesting question. James, go ahead. Sure. If I live in Illinois for 175 days and in uh-huh. Florida for 175 days and in Costa Rica for 15 days, where am I tax domiciled? Huh. 
Okay. Um, well, where's your license? That, that's going to be my first question. I'm sorry? Where, where do you have your driver's license? Illinois. Uh, then in all, where does your mail go? Uh, actually, to both locations. Okay. In all likelihood, you're going to be considered to have a tax home in Illinois. However, if you want to establish a tax home in Florida, I could definitely help you out with that. Give me a call, 708-914-8220. I know it's slightly more advantageous to have a tax home in Florida than it is to have a tax home in Illinois. No, I know, but uh, does the 15 days in Costa Rica really throw a uh, hook in this thing? Uh, the 15 days in Costa Rica, what that does is it uh, potentially gives you access. Did you work during that time, or was that vacation? I work all the time, 24-7. Okay. I'm on the phone <laughs> Okay, I got you. So if you if you work during that time, then then it could potentially give you access to some of the uh, the foreign earned income exclusion, as well as potentially if you had to pay some taxes down there as a result of working there, you could potentially get a foreign tax credit. Um, it's not going to get you the the entire big hundred and five thousand dollar or whatever it is foreign income exclusion. Uh, you have to have three hundred and thirty days abroad for that out of three sixty five. But um, it could give you potentially a percentage. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Thank you. Hey, look at that, James. There you go. Great question. 708-914-8220 is how you can reach David and the folks at Katz Milanic. 312-981-7200 is how you can reach us. Here's a question from the 847. What is the difference between single and single head of household? Is there a tax advantage to claiming one over the other? I'm 64. My husband passed away in 2020. Uh, so there is actually no such ta- tax status as single head of household. The filing status is just head of household. So single is just you are the only person on your tax return. Nobody else is on your tax return. You can claim head of household if you are a single taxpayer and you have a dependent. Or in some cases, you have a qualifying child that you're not allowed to claim. That's usually in a situation where the parents are divorced or they have a custody agreement. And it's like this one year, you know, 2021 mom gets them, 2022 dad gets them. Well, you can still claim head of household status in your off year. You just can't claim the dependent. Uh, so that's basically the difference. And is there a tax advantage to head of household versus single? Absolutely. You get a higher standard deduction. The tax brackets are larger. And uh, overall, it, it's just it's just a better tax status. Um, okay. it, it's not as good as married filing joint, but it's better than single. Okay. 630 wants to know, how much can I give to my kid as a gift without triggering a gift or a state tax? Um, I believe the current gift tax exemption is sixteen thousand. Could be fifteen thousand though. I'd, I'd have to look it up to be a hundred percent specific on that. It's either fifteen or sixteen. Okay. Um, a lot of questions coming in here. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred to get more on the phone lines. Tell you what, let's take a break here. Uh, remind people where they can go to the website, David, and uh, catsmalatic dot com and seven zero eight nine one four eight two two zero. That is how you reach David. And you could tell he knows what he's talking about. If you want an American Weathermakers weather station, or you just want to find out an answer to your questions, three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. That's how we can help you out right now. Let's take a break here and let's get legal powered by the Illinois State Bar Association on. WGN. 
720 WGN. Let's get legal powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. David Milanic from Katz Milanic here. We're playing Stump the CPA. Basically, just answer any question you got. David usually has the answer. We did have a question from the 847, David, following up on the charitable line contribution. They uh-huh. just wanted to confirm that the above-the-line contribution has been extended for 2022. I thought 2020 and 2021 non-itemizing charitable contribution expired. Thank you, Dennis. Um, yeah, I believe it has. I believe it has, but ooh, that's a ooh, that's uh, a good one. See, um. <laughs> Tell you what, you can look it up uh, yeah, after the next question. Yeah, it actually question. increases. It actually oh. increases from uh, from three hundred to four hundred. Yes, hey. it did get extended, and it's going to be increased for next year to four hundred and eight hundred for married filing joint couples. So oh, it, that's it's nice. I, I, I thought it was extended. Um, yeah, it, it is extended, and uh, and so actually, I also wanted to clarify an answer that I gave before the break. Uh, the gift tax exemption was fifteen thousand in twenty twenty one and sixteen thousand in twenty twenty two. Okay, so you were right with both answers. You didn't even know it. Six three zero wants to know if my daughter moves in with us and I charge her rent. Is that taxable income? Uh, technically, yes. However, you, you've now created, uh, your house is now a rental property, at least a portion of it. So now we can, uh, now we can assess how much of your home is a rental property. We can take things like your mortgage interest, your property taxes, uh, the value of your home in depreciation, um, your Whoa, Really? Your Just for renting part of it out to your kids? Yep, that's correct. You can, you can, you can actually turn that into a tax loss and a huge tax benefit for you and your family. Think of how many people out there do, maybe their kids are back from school and they're like, well, you can live here, but, you know, we want to make you pay some rent here just to, you know, have some ownership of this situation. Okay. And then they, they're afraid to talk to their CPA about it because they don't want it as taxable income. Turns out they might be leaving money on the table. Absolutely. There's a billion dollars a year left on the table by taxpayers. How much of that is yours? Give us a call, 708-914-8220. We can help you figure it out. Again, 708-914-8220. Boy, you're smooth, David. Let's go to line one. And uh, John, John's got a question. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, um, my wife uh, this past uh, April uh, received about $80,000 in inheritance from an aunt that passed away. Um, We put it, you know, weren't sure what to do with it, put it right into our savings. Uh, Is there still something we can do with that to avoid any additional taxes? Or is it just going to be considered income nonetheless so you said you said you received an eighty thousand dollar inheritance right that's correct okay so uh was the estate over 11 million dollars no it was not okay so the only way you're going to pay an inheritance tax is if the estate is over 11 million dollars and uh if the if the person was married before uh if, if there were two people and, and they were married and, and both ended up deceased, it would be $22 million. Uh, but if, So if you're below that threshold, any money you receive as an inheritance, you're not going to be taxed on it. You just get to keep that money. So don't worry about it. You're not going to be taxed on it. The big thing I would worry about, though, in a situation where you have an estate, um, if I don't know who the executor of that estate is, but you're going to want to talk to the executor. Make sure that they, if there, if there was any income on the estate that they file an appropriate estate income tax return 
and that they make sure okay. that all the liabilities are paid because if the liabilities of the estate are not paid, the tax liabilities, the IRS can actually transfer them to the executor of the estate, and then the executor has to pay it out of their own pocket. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, she passed away last year, and we didn't get the distribution until this year. So I, I believe the lawyer that we had working on this uh, investigated all of those oh, those. Good. Uh, Make sure an income tax return was filed because a lot of lawyers don't know about that. They missed that part. Just Just give a call, John. Just say, hey, do you file an income tax return? And if they don't know what you're talking about, then you send them over to David. (laughs) That's right. Explain that to attorneys. Hey, John, that's good news for you today. And uh, sorry for your loss in the family, though. But uh, uh, I'm glad that you're not going to Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Got a question from the 847. (laughs) I am a realtor independent contractor. Uh, Do I need a special bank account for my commission? Um, you definitely want to separate your business income from your personal income. So, um, if you have, um, if you have a personal bank account, you would want to open, even if, even if you're not going to do anything else, at least open a separate bank account from your, from your regular bank account that you do all your bill pay and stuff out of. If you need to, if you need to transfer money from your business account to your personal account to cover something like your mortgage or your car payment or something like that, that's fine. But make sure you're tracking your business expenses separately because if you ever get audited, then at the end, then, then when that happens, if we have a bank statement that shows, no, this is clearly where all the business income and expenses go and all the personal bills get paid out of a different account, it's a lot cleaner and a lot easier to deal with an audit at that point and to get you all the deductions you're entitled to. Okay. 312 wants to know, I had to pay a, or I had, I owed the federal government this year for the first time. I do a lot of independent contract work and my income is uh, all over the place at some times. Should I prepay my taxes this year, divide the amount I owed the federal government by four and prepay that amount? Because I don't know exactly how much I'll make this year. So this is actually something I talk to business owners about all the time. Um, you want to make quarterly estimated payments, absolutely, but I don't recommend going off of the last year. And let me tell you a little bit, little story about that very quick. Uh, I had a, I had a client that, that only had investment income and they made the, they made the uh, quarterly estimated payments from the coupons religiously. They did it correctly, everything like that. Uh, their investment income increased by a little bit and they still ended up, even after paying in $30,000, they still ended up owing $4,000 because they hadn't paid in enough because they because their income increased. Right. When you're a business owner, like like he said, it fluctuates a whole lot more. You don't know what you're gonna make. So so you need to make sure that you have that you have a good bookkeeping and that you that you analyze how much you actually need to pay based on what you're currently making, not on what you made last year, not on anything else. Based it on what you're currently making so that, that way you know you've got the right amount of tax paid in. So if you're making more and it's, you know, May and you've, you've been using last year, but you made more, start adjusting those future payments. Absolutely. And if you, and if you made less, you also want to adjust those payments as well so you don't have to pay in as much. Oh, this is great stuff. David, uh, three, uh, 708-914-8220, 708-914-8220. No one stumped you today, my friend. Well, you know, maybe maybe they'll get me next time. Who knows? <laughs> uh, David uh, Milanic from Cats Milanic. Always good to talk to you, my friend, okay? Yeah, great, great having me. Great, great being on, John. I look forward to it again. Yeah, we'll do it again soon. And uh, Sue, I know you're calling. We're just out of time. We'll try and get you connected with David offline. All right, let's take a break, and then oh, we're going to try and get an answer to the question of the day before the show ends.